This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome to the Chronic Podcast with host Ralph Malbro and featuring bloggers Andrew Juge of thesaintsnation.com, Kevin Held of Team Drops the Ball, and Dave Cariello of Canal Street Chronicles. This podcast is nothing but serious football talk and hardcore analysis. Which four of you would survive the longest in the zombie apocalypse, and in which order would you die? Well, Ralph, no offense, you're going first. Oh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. The zombies would smell Dave's sugar blood and target him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They'd get his... <laughs> I don't even have a joke, Dave! <laughs> Dave! Now, here's your host, Ralph Malbro. All right, we are sponsored by the Pelican House, as always. And this week, we have a special guest uh, from the NFL Network, former Saint and Patriot Heath Evans has joined me and Andrew uh, to discuss some football. Heath, thanks for joining us. Hey, anytime, man. Thanks for having me. Heath, I want to start with this. And, you know, Ray McDonald, he, he got released by the Bears today for yet another um, domestic violence incident arrest. And I don't want to get into his history and, and all of that. But what I wanted to, to discuss sort of is an interesting thing that, that really affected the Saints in 2014 was they – the media said they had a bad locker room. They had discord in locker room. It was, it was a struggle throughout the year. So if you could – what makes a guy a bad locker room presence and sort of – an experience that you've had where you're like, oh my God, this locker room is either great or this locker room is dysfunctional. And could, if you could, you don't have to mention names, but don't, you know, give us like a specific example where you're like, man, this locker room, it, it is not in the right yeah. spot. I mean, it's easy. I mean, honestly, my first four years in Seattle, probably the most talented locker room I was ever a part of. I mean, even more so than my 09 Saints team that everybody fell in love with. And even the Patriots squads I was a part of for four years, but the locker room was full of a lot of selfish individuals. And what makes a bad locker room guy is just someone that's selfish. It's also the same thing that makes a bad coach. I mean, there are a lot of coaches in this league that know their X's and O's as well as anybody and can call great plays and design great schemes, you know, Wednesday through Saturday to get their team prepped. But it all comes back to them and what's best for them and what they think. Um, anytime you remove a team mindset from even the most talented of players, you've got a bad locker room guy. Uh, what I learned um, in New England and what I know Sean Payton believes is that no matter how talented the guy is, if he's selfish, um, he's going to make your team worse, not better. And so I know there's, listen, when you go through a rough season, there's always a lot of crap that flies around, especially in the media realm, and I'm a part of it, so I get it. But you know what? There's a lot of things on this football team that you could probably track more to laziness at times than to a bad locker room. And I think Sean Payton knows that, and I think they've tried to address that this offseason. I think we'll see the benefits of that, you know, during the course of the 2015 season. When you when you say that, you use a word like laziness. Can you give us an example of something that yeah. fan, maybe maybe a fan wouldn't notice that it wouldn't be, you know, during a game you could say, well, that guy didn't he didn't he didn't block or he didn't run a route, and yeah. a fan can point to that as lazy. But what's something that a player 
would do during the week that you'd be like, oh, that guy. Yeah, I mean, the, the week the week's a lot easier than to call it out in the game. I mean, the game scenarios, I mean, you'd go straight to the Super Bowl and look at, you know, Jermaine Curse. Uh, he was the wide receiver uh, lined up that was supposed to move Brandon Browner off the ball in that last pass play where everyone says Marshawn Lynch should have gotten the ball. I mean, if Jermaine Curse wasn't lazy on that play and got to basically push Brandon Browner about six inches up the field, Malcolm Butler never could have picked the ball off. Seattle would have won their second championship in back-to-back years. Um, during the week, it's guys showing up late for meetings. It's guys uh, not busting in the weight room the, the way they need to. It's guys not knowing their duties uh, come Thursday in practice when they've had uh, the base install and the Wednesday practice to get it under their belt. It's guys not wanting to play special teams because they feel like they're too good for it. I mean, you know, when I got to New Orleans, I was in my ninth year, and the, one of the first people I went to see was Coach Mack, the special teams coach, and said, hey, listen, I know I'm older. Um, I'll probably still be one of your faster big guys wherever you need me. Uh, I know I'll be playing some significant snaps on an offense, but you know, kind of spot train me where I can be your go-to guy in a tight spot. I was never a great special teams player, but it's the attitude effect. And so you can see selfishness, you know, in a locker room real quick. You know, from a, vet- from a veteran mindset, I mean, it- it- it'll jump out fast. I mean, even in these OTAs that are getting ready to start up all over the league, um, the old-school veteran guys, um, they'll know real quick of this young group of, of talent uh, who's in it for themselves and who's in it for the team. Well, Heath, this is Andrew from Saints Nation, and um, you know, specific to the Saints, I, I think Junior Golet is a guy that's been singled out, and you know, I, obviously, I know you're well versed, and I know you still have relationships on the team, and I know you have relationships with veterans that are no longer on the team. Um, but an incident which I'm sure you're aware of happened where uh, Golet was basically asked about veterans, and he got tired of it, and he made some comments in the media, uh, basically. I think the intent behind it was was noble. He was trying to prop up guys like Curtis Lofton and Cam Jordan, his guys. Uh, but I think he made the misstep in those comments of, you know, uh, making negative comments about Will Smith and John Vilma and some of those veterans. And guys like Zach Streif and Thomas Morstead were very quick to go to the media and uh, disagree with Gallette's comments and you know, make comments that you stand together with the guys that you won with and. So I'm curious from a locker room perspective, I don't know if you hear anything, but um, what was there any discord in the locker room over that situation? And as a veteran, as a former Saint player, uh, how, how, what was your take on that whole situation? Well, I honestly don't know the comments. You know, obviously the national side versus the local side, you guys hear everything that comes out of that locker room. It's my job to try to keep up with 32 teams. So I don't know the comments that, that uh, Junior made. Uh, I know this. Jonathan Velmo was one of the finest leaders I've ever been around. Uh, Will Smith, uh, the same thing, and a great teammate. And uh, those are guys that uh, I would go to battle with any day of the week. Um, but I've also, you know, uh, Curtis Lofton's a guy that, listen, nowhere near as talented as John Velma, uh, but the guy brought it every week, and he, and he gave the team everything that he had. Um, and so I don't know what Junior's intent was. It's hard to dive into someone's intent. But, um, listen, it's irreplaceable. Uh, leadership like John Vilma and, and Will Smith. And so whatever was said, if it was anything in a negative light, I would tell Junior to his face, it's crazy. I love Junior. I saw this guy coming here and bust his butt as an undrafted rookie free agent, take a lot of crap from the older veterans as, as, as he was earning his stripes, and he earned his stripes, and he's turned himself into a really good football player this league. Um, but leadership like 
John and Will is, is irreplaceable. And I mean, I just had a conversation with Sean, uh, Coach Payton, uh, less than a week ago about that very thing, about how uh, too much leadership walked out the door uh, in a given offseason, and, and it really ended up hurting the ball club. You know, he you brought up Sean Payton, and, and you played for Sean Payton, you paid for Bill Belichick, and the thing that I'm always interested with these the, the coaches that are different, and I would say Sean Payton and Bill Belichick definitely qualify as that. Could you give us a, a... The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. Sense of coaches where you were, you played under both of them, and during a game where they did something or something happened where you like, oh wow, Bill Belichick regular even good coaches don't do that or something Sean Payton did during a game where you were like man that he coaches he's on a different level yeah well I mean the thing is by the time I got to Sean I was kind of already spoiled and then so I remember sitting down with Sean and Mickey and um and even kind of I call it the recruiting period but in that I guess March of 2009 when I was um in free agency and and so I, I asked a lot of questions because I knew what I was potentially leaving in New England, and I knew what I wanted. And so the things I got out of Sean Payton, I kind of already expected. I remember just how in-depth our initial conversations were about offensive in-game adjustments and what he's seeing and what he's feeling and how he responds to the players' critiques of what's going on. And so, you know, with Bill, it was always amazing to me how he would have his pulse, would have the pulse of the team on offense, defense, and special teams on a given Sunday. He'd be making special teams adjust, adjustments as well as an offensive adjustment off something he saw from a safety in a given play. And we'd change a, you know, maybe a four vertical offensive attack in one play to the next play with three verticals and we'd cross the face of a safety because Bill spotted something that the safety was cheating on or something. Um, and then with Sean, you know, he wasn't so locked into the special teams and defense, um, but he was so almost overly coaching the offense. And um, again, I always go back to critiquing players and what they see and feel. Um, what Sean Payton could see and feel from the sideline uh, is like nothing I've, I've ever seen on the offensive side of the ball. Um, Josh McDaniels is spectacular. Um, obviously, Sean's had a few more years on Josh, um, but uh, the stuff that Sean can feel and sense, even from a, an opposing defensive coordinator that he's kind of playing chess against, so to speak, 
um, those are the things that make great coaches. And uh, Belichick and Sean Payton are two of the finest in the business in, in their perspective realms. And Heath, when you talk about these coaches and some of the other coaches that you've played that you've played for, is the difference really that significant? In other words, do you, and, and that's not yes. to disparage any of the guys that you you've played for, but when when you play for Sean Payton and you think back to that other NFL coach, that other coordinator that you had, is the advantage that significant? Well, I mean, most people for would say team. Mike Holmgren's one of the best head coaches ever and one of the best offensive minds. Um, and there's no, you just, you can't even, you can't even quantify the difference between Sean Payton and him. Now people would say, oh, that was your first four years in Seattle and you didn't fully understand what was going on. Okay, maybe. Uh, but I definitely understood what was going on by year nine and 10. And I understood what was going on in New England. And I understand all the things that were different from the way we did things in Seattle versus the way we did things in, in New England and New Orleans. And so, um, yeah, the great coaches in this league are great. And it's honestly the bad coaches. There's some bad coaches in this league. And there's a lot of bad position coaches in this league that have gotten jobs because they're friends with the head coach. And it's a shame because there's a lot of talented players um, with better coaching um, could be better players. And um, so, uh, yeah, the, the elite coaches in this business are elite for a reason. Heath, you know, obviously you played, you know it a thousand times more than we do, even if we're hardcore fans and writers and journalists or whatever. What's something that as a just a crazy NFL fan that you could you could say, Ralph, if you see this on Sunday, that means they're a poor coach team that as a player you would see, but a fan it's going to go over their head. What's something we can you could tell us that when we're watching a game on Sunday in the fall that's like, oh, my God, Heath told me that that's a red flag for a bad coach. Um, well, red zone specifically. The, the great offensive minds um, in this league really separate themselves by red zone football, how their teams perform, how many points they score, their touchdown percentage. Um, and so what I would say is you – watch a team in the first quarter of the season, the first four games, and really pay attention to the offensive plays they're running, say, from the 15-yard line, you know? And then if you go to week seven or eight, and they're running the same exact play and from the 15-yard line, and then you go to week you know, 12 or 13, and it's basically the same play, maybe with one small wrinkle, that's a bad coach. Um, you know, play design and manipulation of what a defense has given you uh, and how you attack a given defense every single week, stuff should change every single week. And people really harp on my negativity of, of the Chip Kelly offense. Um, a lot of stuff of what they do is great. Um, they lack creativity in the red zone, and they're horrible at it. And so anybody can move the ball from the 20 to the 20. It's really not that difficult. There's so much space. The rules so benefit offensive football in this league. From the 20 to the 20, I mean, listen, if, if you're not – moving the ball quite frequently, you're just not very good because all the rules are stacked against the defense. Um, but inside the red zone, the field compresses. There's not a lot of space. Um, it's much harder game for the referees to call. Um, and it's all about play diagnosis. Um, and, and then your players obviously being coached to go out and perform them. And so I think the average fan could, you know, get on, you know, NFL replay and watch some of the coaches tape like I do or, you know, rewind their TiVo, you know, on a given Sunday when, you know, say the week two game, you know, Tampa Bay Bucks and the Saints are going to go at it this year and say, oh, okay, hey, look at that. I saw that same play two weeks ago. Well, 
um, things have to change because every defense changes every week and the schemes change every week. And so the best thing about why the New England Patriots are constantly on top and how they can beat teams like Philadelphia, but then they can go beat a team like Baltimore is because their, their game plans change every week. You know, Philadelphia beats the same type of teams. They don't ever really beat the good teams because it's all come down to uh, play design and then getting your players to implement uh, those design plays. And so, um, the teams that are the best year in and year out, kind of like our 9 Saints, we could cram the ball down your throat running it, or we could beat you for 40 with Drew throwing for 400 yards. And then on defense, they could sack you, they could stop the run pretty well, they could turn the ball over. Um, you've got to be very well first. And I think that's where the great teams, players, and coaches separate themselves. Well, Heath, I was going to ask, we were going to ask you why Philly fans hate you so much, but I think you just explained it. <laughs> yeah, they don't like the truth. You know, I mean, it, I think it, the truth is, is like there was an article, um, it's such a long story. I mean, when Chip first got hired, I wrote an article uh, thinking he was getting ready to take the Cleveland Browns uh, job. And it was a very specific article to the Cleveland Browns. Well, he, he then took um, the Philadelphia job and... Um, we had some folks at the NFL that just kind of changed the Browns to the Philadelphia um, verbiage and printed the article. So the article didn't make sense in a lot of ways, and I said it would be the worst hire ever. Um, well, um, obviously it was written for the Browns, and so they've never really let me live that down in Philly, and they don't want to, you know, I guess uh, take my excuse for how the article got out there. But over the last two years, I've really kind of dove into what works of his system and what doesn't. And I've been spot on for the most part. Um, this team is fatigued. Um, they can't score in the red zone and burst good teams. They get embarrassed. I mean, Seattle yeah. goes in there weeks 15 and holds them to 160 yards of offense. And so um, people don't like to hear the truth. Heath, he, uh, he, here's a – this might sound like a really basic, dumb question, but my forte is just writing funny articles about football. But I look at the Eagles and I say, how can a team win the Super Bowl – when their defense is going to be in the in the top face one of the they're going to face more plays than any other defense in the NFL how can you win a super bowl doing that just having to play that many plays yeah well that's been a knock i mean listen Sean Payton and Bill Belichick taught me complementary football so your offense has to complement what your defense does well and vice versa and then you got to include your special teams in there as well and so um in Philadelphia, Chip's idea is every single game, you know, we're just going full tilt, full tempo. Um, well, full tilt, full tempo is great sometimes, and you see the Patriots do it, you see Green Bay do it, you see Denver do it, you see the Saints do it, um, but it's not the answer every single week. And so that defense in Philadelphia was pretty good last year, and they would have been even better if they wouldn't have been on the field for, you know, 35 minutes a game. Um, and that's where that system is flawed. So you're, you're right, buddy. I mean, um, when your defense is kind of constantly getting put into bad positions, um, you're never going to hoist a Lombardi. Hey, Heath, uh, real quick, I want to get your thoughts about the Saints offseason. Um, you know, obviously, Jimmy Graham, Kenny Stills, a lot of players were traded. They lost a lot of offensive firepower. They add C.J. Spiller. Um, so you made a comment, first of all, that where you mentioned that um, – the team maybe didn't quite have the leaders based on your discussion with Sean Payton that they ha they've had in the past and that that needed to be replaced. So I guess two part question first, do you think they've done enough to kind of uh, add some of that leadership? And then number two, uh, do you feel like the team has done a good job reloading, especially with the major moves uh, to, to compete in 2015? 
Well, the truth is we, we just, we don't know yet. You know, I mean, we're not going to know until Sean starts pushing and pressing all these new players and see how they respond. I mean, Sean and I's conversation was more about a group load of, you know, defensive veterans, you know, all unintentionally kind of walking out in, in one off season, either by being cut or, or having to move on for financial reasons or just doing what Mickey and Sean thought was best for the team at the time. Um, and so you lose a lot of guys, um, Malcolm and Jabari and just a whole bunch of names that you know, it's just hard to replace. You can replace the talent, but the leadership wise is, you know, those players were built over time in this league. And so, um, listen, Sean was by no means making excuses because his defense just underperformed. But the truth is we don't, we don't know, um, how this defense is going to respond after the crap they put on film last year. Uh, I would hope with the characters they have in that locker room and the leadership of Sean and Mickey and Drew and so on and so forth, um, they better respond well because I know Sean and Mickey well enough. They're not going to put up with it. And there's plenty of talent for this defense to be a very good talent. And Rob Ryan isn't the issue, I can tell you that. Well, thanks, Heath. And, uh, you know, i, I got to say I'm a proud supporter of, uh, of your foundation for a long time in New Orleans. And obviously it's hard to keep that up when you're no longer in the city and, and um, you move on as an NFL player. It's tough to keep that up. But you're involved in something now uh, called uh, Genera- Generosity Trend, which uh, is, uh, is basically an app that, that uh, allows you to be more visible to, to some of your followers. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, well, it's, it's funny, you know, just always trying to find a way. How do we get our fans to help us support our favorite charities, but at the same time give them something in return? And so I created a company called Generosity Trend. It's an app for, for really celebrities only or people of influence. Anyone that has a verified Twitter account can use it, and it's very simple. It's just to allow the followers uh, and the fans of those celebrities to support for $1.99 a month um, that celebrity's charity. And people can go to generositytrend.com or they can go to at Evans 44 my Twitter feed, and see it. And the fan just gets special recognition from the celebrity for donating $1.99 a month to their charity. So, uh, Andrew, you know, uh, I believe I've sent you kind of a picture back of how anyone that's supporting the A21 campaign um, through my Twitter feed, uh, when they tweet at me, their tweet comes through in a highlighted notation. So I see the people that are my most loyal, generous fans. I see the people that are uh, kind of hand-in-hand with me in supporting um, the A21 campaign and rescuing um, people from sexual slavery all over the world. So, um, again, at HeathEvans44, um, generositrend.com is uh, the website. And I'm actually giving away a couple tickets to uh, uh, the Saints home opener as well as the Patriots home opener to two of my Generositrend followers. Again, at Heath Evans 44, all the information is there. Thanks, Heath. And before I let you go, one last question. And I, I heard this on a on a Dan Lebertard show, an NFL player said it, but I, so I want to ask you the same questions. What's the maddest you ever made a coach during a game? <laughs> I, well, I've made some coaches really, really mad. Um, it would all, it, it'd always be back when you are – getting a quarterback hit, you know what I mean? So anytime you, you miss a protection, um, it would probably be in Seattle in my early years uh, with, with Mike Holmgren. I remember I got Matt Hasselback hit one time. Um, I, I checked out on a, uh, a pass route too soon. The linebacker baited me, and Matt Hasselback got hit pretty hard. And uh, we'll just say this, Mike Holmgren was not very happy with me. <laughs> thanks, a, thanks a bunch, Heath. We appreciate you for joining us tonight. 
right, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate guys. it, Heath. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks to Heath Evans for joining us. Now we're joined by two of the three knuckleheads, Dave Cariello and Kevin Hale. As always, we're sponsored by the Pelican House, 2572 City Place Court, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Uh, go there. Watch LSU and Tulane. They're both going to win their opening game, and then we're going to have LSU oh Tulane fighting <laughs> to the death in the winner's bracket. It's going to be <laughs> awesome. I'm one of the few. I have no idea how much I'm looking forward to that. Dude, possibly. I'm one of the few LSU people, Dave. <laughs> the Pelican House, 2572 City Place Court, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Louisiana, they support us, so you should support them. Dave, I'm one of the few people I root for Tulane baseball to be good because it's more fun when Tulane baseball is good and LSU baseball is good and Tulane and LSU can yell at each other and insult each other and be competitive. It's much more fun that way. Life is better. Agreed. You know, and I just think Tulane, they finally, you know, Rick Rick Jones, he kind of hung on a little too long. But uh, they got this new guy, and uh, it's going to be fun, man. It's going to be, it's going, the regional is going to be, going to be good times. But uh, all right, um, listen, they don't have much Saints news, so we're going to do a lot of uh, ridiculous today. But before we start, I want to thank. This is the first show with the brand new computer that everybody graciously donated. I had some technical issues with Skype, and I finally got it straightened out. Along with that and the wife being pregnant, it was just a lot of stuff. But we got the new computer. Thanks again, everybody. The new computer, it's great. Thanks for donating. Um, I, I don't know where to start. Joe Horn, Dave, basically just destroyed Goodell today, which I thought was fantastic. He said that you know players hug him, and they don't realize that he'll destroy the player, steal money from him, screw him over. And I couldn't disagree with anything he said. I was like, that's absolutely true. <laughs> What said was when the players hug them, they don't realize they're hugging the devil. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> he called Goodell the devil, which, I mean, makes sense considering the ginger, the ginger head. <laughs> um, but, uh, I, I mean, I think most people probably would agree with the things Joe Horn said. I mean, he basically said he's got total control. He has way too much power. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the owners put him in that position, and they're not going to say anything. The players can't do anything about it. Um, and I think that's the way a lot of people feel. I'm sh- I know a lot. I know pretty much fan feels that way, and I'm sure now at this point, uh, every Patriots fan feels that way as well. Um, but uh, you know, obviously, it's easy for Joe to say those things. He's not in the league anymore. He doesn't doesn't matter. Uh, you know what he says about Goodell. <laughs> he barely played under Goodell, um, honestly. And. Uh, but then he also, uh, you know, some people on CSC commented and, and mentioned that he also listed Roddy White and Marcus Colston as the two best receivers in the NFL. And, uh, I, you know, I don't, I don't know whether I would agree with that. I love some Marcus Colston, but I don't know if he's – I wouldn't say he's the best – one of the two best receivers in the league. Um, Kevin, uh – Joe Horn ripping Goodell. Does that make you like Joe Horn like five percent more? You pretty you were pretty hard on Joe Horn when he left out of here. Yeah, I, I look. I'm glad somebody actually remembers something I fucking wrote for WWLTV.com. I love it. Um, yeah, I was pretty hard on him, and you know, then he finally retired, and slowly but surely, I've managed to you know get over it. So this certainly, this certainly puts him in a much better light than previously and would you buy one of his barbecue sauces now yeah i would say i would buy one. i i would be comfortable putting his sauce on my food 
Okay. There's an endorsement, Joe. Put that on a, on your next label. Ringing endorsements. Um, you know. I bet we could get him as a as a guest on this podcast. We probably could. Just let him answer a couple of questions about barbecue sauce, and then and then we'll we'll just let's we'll grill him, pun intended, on uh, on Goodell. Let's I, just we'll just have a whole hate Goodell show. That'd be a good. Him. A good lead-in, like right before training camp starts, where we could just we could just hate on Goodell. It could be like cleansing your pores. Um, we could get Reed. We we could get Reed. He 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 and we hates could get the him. blogger for the Patriots. He hates. I mean, the only thing with the Goodell hatred that I sort of nitpick with people, I we hate Goodell, but the owners don't hate him, man. He makes them a brink's truck of money. He crushed yeah. the he crushed the players union. He takes all the heat off the owners because the media never gets on the owners and say, "Why aren't you doing stuff for domestic violence? Why aren't you doing this?" They get on Goodell. Like he is a like the owners love him. That's my that's the only thing I argue with Goodell haters like Reed and other people on Twitter, Kevin. That you know the owners they love Goodell. Right, because he takes all the heat for him. Yeah. Um. I, we don't have. We're going to get to Twitter questions in a second. Um, I saw Mad Max, the movie. Oh, it was <laughs> phenomenal. It was phenomenal, <laughs> phenomenal. But here's the thing, Kevin. I felt like it had such little dialogue. They should have just got Metallica to do the soundtrack or pick Metallica's greatest hits and have no dialogue. It would have been an A plus. Instead, it was just an A. Oh. <laughs> Like, did, could, Kevin, could you – if you had gone in that movie and it would have been no dialogue and just Metallica ride the lightning from start to finish, you would have understood the plot. Yeah. No, I would have liked it. I would have liked it very much. Would, I, would have, I, mean, yeah, I mean, look, I still enjoyed the shit out of that movie. I enjoyed Guitar Guy that was oh, playing yeah. the guitar and the flames are coming out. Like, he's like uh, – I don't know what you would be like the drummer, like in the Civil War, the drummer guy that leads the troops in. But Mad Max, they have like a guitar guy playing. It was, it was, and, and if you see it, you got to see it in the 3D IMAX. Oh no, no, no! I didn't, I, I didn't see it in 3D. I saw it in just regular, like 2D, 2D the flat screen. And you know what? I still love the shit out of it. Yeah. That's, uh, that's what the Charlize Theron, right? That's got the yeah, Charlize Theron. Yeah. And she's got only one arm. Oh really? Yeah. She's so, fucking great in that movie. Yeah, it was. I mean, but the funny thing is, they just have like no. It has like no dialogue. But, um, yeah, right. but I mean, I mean, seriously, who says? Oh, let's go to the Mad Max movie. I hear there's a great soliloquy. Yeah, exactly. Well, that, that's you're gonna. You want to see? You want to see cars slamming in shit, cars flipping over, things blowing up, couple of scantily clad ladies, and some people getting shot and dying in horrific ways, and you get. All, All of, of that from the start to the finish. Yes, they don't. Yes, like it does. Like Mad Max, they don't screw around. I, I, when I you say no dialogue, are you you're talking about like like gravity? No dialogue. I mean, it's close to it's close to that. It's would you say, Kevin? It's close to yeah. Gravity. It's close to yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, like there's there's bare like there are stretches where there is <sighs> no dialogue, and then there's stretches where there's like one set like. Two people have a six a six line conversation and then it ends. The f- not to be not to give away spoilers, but the first third of the movie, Mad Max is strapped to the front of a car. 
with a fucking thing over his mouth. Yeah, so he, he ain't like he, he barely says anything. Fuck, even when it gets taken off, he barely says anything. If you people are going to hear fucking Tom Hardy talk, you'll be disappointed. But fuck, if you're going into a movie expecting to hear people talk, I don't know what to tell you. All right. Quick Saints thing, the only Saints thing I can stretch. They they announced two Hall of Fame people this week. Michael Lewis, Tyrone Hughes. Um I felt like Tyrone Hughes is a bit of a stretch. I thought Michael Lewis was a bit of a stretch. Kevin, can you weigh in? I mean, I felt like uh I see so here's the thing. I don't know sadly, I don't know enough about Tyrone Hughes. Like like Michael Lewis, I remember. Yeah. Tyrone Hughes I remember Michael like everybody like people remember Michael Lewis. Yeah. I mean, Tyrone, yeah, but, but but they but they remember him because he had like, like one really good season and like another good se- like he he only had like how many good seasons with the Saints two three that's the same with Tyron Hughes Tyron well, Hughes had yeah, a, but, one monster year yeah but 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 let me ask you this how many good like se- how many good seasons did Aaron Brooks have and isn't he in the Saints Hall of Fame well but there's His a difference because ass. Aaron. Aaron Brooks was was a was the quarterback of the team, and Aaron Brooks was the leader, and Aaron Brooks is you know crucially involved in every single offensive play. I mean, Michael Lewis, I mean, you know, he, he ran a back, back a whole bunch of kickoffs and punts, you know, for one and a half, two years or whatever. But I mean, and 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 Michael Lewis is still with the team; he's still an ambassador for the Saints. And I see him; he's always it, on the sidelines in a suit, you know, working, doing whatever he's doing. So, I mean, if they want, if they said we're, we're letting Michael Lewis in because of his play, but also because his continued work with the Saints, then I'd be like, okay, I get that. But it wasn't; it's all about him as a player. Well, I mean, and the thing with Aaron Brooks, Kevin, is if you remove Drew Brees, I can make a case that Aaron Brooks is this, the best. The, the the best quarterback in Saints history. Non, I know. Non Drew Brees division. And isn't isn't that fucking terrifying? Well, it is terrifying, but I mean, it's the, it's not the National Football League Hall of Fame. It's the Saints Hall of Fame. I mean, the right. the the, right. the the bar I mean, isn't that have high. To put people in every year. You know, if you run out of people, worthy people, just stop putting yeah, people in. Because then you make a mockery of the whole thing. I think it's. I think the. I, I would argue you're right. I think these both of these guys are kind of a stretch because none of n- neither of them were really dominant, and neither of them were. I mean, you're Tyrone Hughes. You're talking basically a year and a half, and 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 same with Michael Lewis. I mean, it's a, it's a stretch, but you see some of the people that got in there, man. When, when did when was Tyrone Hughes's uh, heyday? I'm I'm foggy on Tyrone Hughes. He's like I gotta I gotta pull him up. He's like I'm foggy as shit on him. Um. He is post Dome Patrol. Um, so early nineties, probably. Yeah. Or mid nineties. No, mid nineties. This was before the murderers row of Courtney Watson and C. Grant at linebacker. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's um. Let's see, kick and punt return. See, dude. Oh my. Oh my God. He is not a Saints Hall of Famer. He has two. <laughs> He ran back two punts for touchdowns in 1993. That's it. That's it, man. Well, I mean, you, you know, there's a conversion chart and somewhere. A, and, and, he, and, a kickoff, and he ran a kickoff back 99 yards, and he ran back two kickoff returns in, in 94. But that's it, man. Oh, my God. What's Lewis' what's stats? All right, we'll pull up. I know, he had, I know he had better stats than that, but probably not much better. Dude, lo- dude Michael Lewis was like, 
Michael Lewis was the big was the big home run return guy before that became uh, the uh, the uh, gnome du jour or whatever the how the fuck right. you say that phrase because right, right after him right after him it was Dante Hall he's always the human joystick and then and then suddenly was didn't it go from like Dante Hall to somebody else and then the Chicago Bears guy yeah Hester. Well, no, uh, but I mean, like, Hester has been doing it for freaking... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Oh, no, no. Like, like Michael Lewis Michael Lewis was like, okay, at this level. And then Dante Hall was like, oh, okay, that's pretty cool. See, and then, yeah, Devin Hester took it to, like, a different level. What's Michael Lewis's stats? Michael Lewis, he had, in 2002, he made the Pro Bowl, and he returned a punt for a touchdown, two kickoffs, and he had 1,800 total return yards. He averaged... 14 yards per punt return and 25 yards a kickoff return. That's pretty strong. Shit, put him on the Saints now. <laughs> Dude. Yeah, no, that's that was Dude, a good year. We'd give I'd give my kingdom for a, half of that punt return, a 7-yard average of a punt return. Jesus. He was 31 when he did that too. Well, yeah, because he was beer man. Sell, yeah, delivering beer and uh Yeah. Um, what um, I forgot what I, I mean. That's I mean I would say I would say Michael Lewis has a stronger case than Tyrone Hughes, but you're really only talking one good year out of those guys, right? I mean it's worst Saints Hall of Fame class ever. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to argue that one night at like twelve o'clock when my wife's at a wedding and I'm bored out of my mind. Um. Is is there any other Saints, anything else you want to people talk about? Kevin, how's the dating life? You got a second date with the lovely uh, Mrs.? Uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, I've, I've had other, another date with that lady, and, uh, you know, the, the, the ice cream uh, date went very well. Uh, she was very happy that you guys uh, let me uh, get out of that. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, so th- things, uh, things have progressed well. Yeah. Okay, um, now we're just going straight to Twitter, and I'm sorry, Andrew's not here to do it, so it'll be butchered as usual because it's me. Uh, Kevin, this is from the Gear Fondler, yes. one of our favorites. How much <laughs> money would it take you to become a genuine Falcons fan for life? Be honest. Mm-hmm. Crickets. Crickets. Five billion dollars. Five billion. I mean, you said for life, motherfucker. I mean, five. I, I, I tell you what, I'll cut it down to it. I'll cut it down to one billion. Billion with a B. I'd rather one billion just, with a B. I'd rather just. I'd rather you just pay me money and tell me that I can't watch the NFL anymore than be a Falcons fan. Yeah, that's uh, that's true. But here's the thing: yeah. if you're telling me, if you're telling me. Now, if you're telling me that that I have to only root for the Falcons and that I can't watch any other games Ugh. but Falcons games, I mean, I mean, because I'm assuming that's the deal. Like, I can't root for the Saints at all. I can only watch Falcons games, and I have to root for them at all times. Then it's a billion fucking dollars. It's a billion. I need more. I need Kevin. I, I need like three billion because I want th- then I can. Well, I said then I can five buy to start, th- and Dave's like five billion. I need three well, billion because then I can buy the team. All right. Oh, you're gonna need more than that, aren't you? You guys aren't really taking this very seriously at all. We're not. 
Bullshit, the, because I'm not. the number should be much the, the number should be much lower. How much lower? How much would it be? Especially, especially considering the conversation we just had prior to going on air tonight. Yeah. About uh, I think I think my number would be like five million. Oh, I need more than that. Yeah. I I mean No. I don't I don't think you understand. If all you have to do is become a Falcons fan and root for the Falcons, five dollars will set you up good you yeah. do is take that money and invest it are we talking about and is this money getting taxed is it just straight up cash it's straight up cash it's just straight up straight cash, up cash, cash no, oh forget you could five million dollars is, is enough for you to invest and continue to live off of uh, all of that and pay pay off you know your property just live modestly i mean that, that doesn't mean you got to go and like you know you can't take five million dollars and then go buying cars yeah. and you know, in, or be an, a typical NFL player. Um, you've got to, you know, you've got to save it, but you can definitely make it work, and uh, and you'll be set for life, and your here's, kids would be set for life too. Here's and another, all you'd have to do is make the sacrifice of rooting for the Falcons. Here's an easier question, but it's a good segue. Okay, okay. fine. A hundred, a hundred million. Here's a, here's a hundred. Here's a good another question from the Gear Fondler. Would would you married guys have still married your wife if your father was Roger Goodell? The answer, of course, is hell yes. Do you realize the job that the Ginger Hammer could hook his son-in-law up with? You're getting <laughs> a, right. you're getting a high six figures, low seven figure job to do Jack Diddley squat because he's not going to let his son-in-law be a failure. You're being like you're gonna be like the NFL's executive director of social media account where you run the, the accounts that nobody pays attention to, and you're making eight hundred grand easy. Yeah. Yep. Um, you get free well, trips would, to London I, I, too. I I would say yes too, but not for financial reasons. I would say yes because then you're obviously gonna be close with him, and you know you can. <laughs> whisper things in his ear and uh you know potentially have an effect on how he thinks and what decisions he might make so uh, you know that yeah. that's why i would do it yeah yeah psst, psst, roger Dad. roger 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 jerry jones just called you a twat <laughs> <laughs> that'd be a great thanksgiving withheld and roger so kevin how's the wrestling going could you pass the giblets all right kevin pick or Dave, pick a living NFL coach, past or present, to replace Peyton. Only one Belichick response allowed. Response allowed. Oh well, I'm taking Belichick. I'm taking Bill Walsh. <laughs> I'm using that right up. I know. I, I he, take... he would. He would have been up there too. Wait, he would have been living up there or too. oh, you yeah, can anybody. go dead. You can go dead. I'm going Bill. I'm going oh. Bill Walsh because Bill Walsh with these rules would kick ass with Drew Brees. Actually, actually, I changed my pick. I would go with uh, Ditka. Oh my god, definitely Ditka. <laughs> I'm kidding. Kevin, who would you go with? Uh, let's see. Huh. I'm not going to go that because that's too easy. Uh, I will say. I mean, you got to think about like Lombardi, I think. Oh, you see, I was thinking about that, but I don't know. Uh, John Meekum tried to hire Lombardi before he went and coached the Redskins for a year. Oh, God. And nobody talks about that. Um. You know what, Don Shula. Don Shula's yeah. a good choice. The rumor is it's not that Meekum o, Me, John Meekum o, offered Lombardi like ten percent of the team, and he turned him down because it was such because 
John Meekum was such. You're a pronouncing Meacham wrong. Meek you're is pre- pronouncing Meekum. No, I'm kidding. No, yeah, yeah, you're right. No, I'm kidding. All right. Um, <clears throat> with all the people pissed, Kevin. With all the people pissed at the Bears over Ray McDonald, what are the chances? One of the chances Ryan Pace returns like Dennis Allen did. What position? <laughs> I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. I, I, you know what? Everybody's pissed at the fucking Bears. What, why Why are they pissed at the Bears? I don't know. Cause why they, are they pissed at the Bears? Because they, they fucking cut him. Yeah. Didn't they, they cut him? They cut him. So that's good. I yeah. mean, yeah, okay, look. If you want to cast – listen. If you want to castigate the Bears for giving the guy – Shot number five. For, for, yeah, or, or, or whatever the fuck it was. If you want to get – if you want to castigate him for that, okay, fine. But – they did what nobody else fucking did. They fucking tossed his ass to the curb. Uh, but I haven't been convicted in a court of law. Fuck you. Fuck you. If I open my fucking if I open my door and there's somebody outstanding at at my fucking door and they punch me in the face when I try to walk out in the morning, I shut the door. If the same thing ha- – and that's Monday. If the same thing happens Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and I get punched in the face when I try to walk outside the door, and then on Friday I go to open the fucking door, I'm a fucking idiot. I'm a fucking idiot. Point, t- point being, Ray McDonald is a fuckhead, and he shouldn't be uh, making money. No, he's, He shouldn't be making money. He needs to be – put him on a fucking boat. With uh, with that fucking creepo with the reality show that diddled the sisters, and sail them off into the middle of a fucking lake, and then get get some old timey uh, Viking uh, cosplayer to go shoot a fucking flame and arrow at the boat in the middle of a lake. <laughs> All right. Were you referring to like the Duggars? The Duggars. Yeah, that nineteen and counting. All right, Dave. This is from uh, Champ Ian thirty three. What exactly could Andy Tanner? have seen Joe Vitt and or Sean Payton do to earn a fifth year of meaningless paychecks? That's a great question. Oh, man. Um, I was literally thinking that same exact thing last night. When he I gets was paid like 300 grand to go work out, basically. So, and I, you know, and there was that quick article in The Advocate that I found, you know. So he's been with the team for five years. He played in zero games. He has been involved in, I think it was 55 transactions. In in five years, that's an average of 11 times that he's been released, been cut, been signed by the – been moved to the practice squad, been uh, put on IR. 55 different transactions. Um, That is wild. And, yeah, I mean, I don't get it. I mean, he's like – he's got to be how old now? 30? He's got to be like 20 – at least 28. And uh, I don't understand. They obviously – He's never had exactly what it takes to make the roster and and be a contributor on this team. So I don't understand why he still stays around. He must be, like, great in practice. He must be. I don't know. He must Uh, be, like, a really good scout team guy that that does a great job of uh, mimicking what their upcoming opponent opponent is going to do, I, I it just blows my mind. Right. Five years, never played in a game. <laughs> it's like, what what are you holding on to, man? Yeah. What are we holding on to? A dream. Uh, and if you would if people <laughs> if you would if you would have had fifty retweets, I would have wrote an Andy Tanner palm. But you only got to forty two retweets, so you get no Andy Tanner palm. Uh, <laughs> Mandela 
Monadula. Monadula. Uh, Kevin, you get to choose a car to jump over school buses. Which car and how many buses do you jump? I get to choose a car? Yeah. A car to, to, to jump over Any buses. Any car. To drive to up a ramp. Bus. Yeah, and, and then, you know, buses and that over are on buses. Fire that... Oh, oh, we're throwing that they're on fire. Uh, yeah, oh, fuck. Make it a little uh, spicy. Sure. I mean, I, I, I wish I could say I had a fucking car on mine, but presumably I would want a car that gets uh, – Gremlin? Well, it's it's going to have to be – yeah, a red one. Um, it's got – it would have to have real good uh, suspension because presumably I'm going to fucking hit the other side – and bounce like a son of a bitch. Any so car in Mad Max movies. What was the... It would have to... <laughs> no, 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 no. It can't be that. Uh, g- give, me, give me, like, one of those rally cars, because those things can fucking flip over, like, eight, nine, ten times. Oh, and you're... Yeah, so give me, like, a rally car that can that can just go get up to about 100, 150 miles an hour, like, really fucking fast, uh, really quick in a short distance, and I should be okay. And then as for the buses... Fuck, I'm a pussy. Give me the one bus. <laughs> uh, Dave, you can choose any superpower. What do you choose? Oh! You can all. You can. We'll get. We'll let you go. Kept held. You can also choose each other's kryptonite. So, Dave, you can pick a superpower, and then Kevin can pick your kryptonite. I mean, mine's probably going to be boring, but I think being invisible would be pretty, pretty useful. It, it's a very um, it's, it's not an exciting superpower, and it's not a powerful or forceful physical superpower. If you used it, used it wisely, you know, uh, it would it would definitely be valuable. Kevin, what would be Dave's kryptonite? Rayon. <laughs> uh, I don't know. My... I'm glad that I'm glad Dave laughed at that because that's really all that mattered. I don't know. My super, I don't know. Kevin, what would your superpower be? Flight. Flight. Uh, fly, I mean, uh, that's uh, that's that's a fucking no-brainer. That's just I mean, Jesus Christ, man. Like <laughs> I mean, I mean, think about it. <laughs> fucking think about it. You just all of a sudden think I would like to be 5 feet off the cement and then boom, you're 5 feet off the cement by sheer force of will. And you don't fall down. No, you stay there. You stay five feet off the fucking ground because you will it to be so. And then, like, okay, well, I'm going to move down the end of the block, and I'm going to go at, I don't know, 50 miles an hour to the end of the block. Boom! I don't end know of what, the block. I don't know what Super would... fast. And then, and then finally, you get so fucking bold enough to do so, then you're like, all right, fuck it. I'm going to go a few thousand feet in the air, and I'm just going to fucking zip around like a son of a bitch. And it's fucking great. I mean, I mean, tell me what cha- tell me what lady, tell me what 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 lady would not fucking swoon over the ability to be like, hey, uh, so come here, and then all of a sudden you just like start making out with her, and she doesn't know, but you've started to like levitate like seven or eight inches off the ground, and you're like, hey. I felt something really weird happen. Did you? <laughs> and then she freaks out. I want mind control. Uh, or, or time travel. Is time travel a superpower? Oh, come on. Because then you go back and like. Yeah. 
Yeah, but then you get, but I wouldn't, you'd have to be, uh, time, you'd have to be, uh, fuck, who has Mind that, control that would be good you'd, have, you'd have to be the Flash. Mind control travel. would be good enough. Okay. Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah, wait, what's your kryptonite, though? For, uh, Dave, what's his kryptonite? <laughs> My kryptonite, you just be, hand me a list of names to pronounce. <laughs> you know? And I'd be like, ah, oh, oh, goddamn, I can't use mind control today because I gotta pronounce <laughs> Tim Biakabatuka and I butchered it. <laughs> no, you did oh, a good what's job. my kryptonite? Oh, I don't know, like. Um. I don't know, man. Uh. Low interest credit card? I don't know. That's that's a joke that only me and Dave get, to, but we find it hysterical. Um, I don't know, like, I don't know, Kevin. What, I think the, I think the easy one is pornography. Oh yeah, oh, oh yeah. I was gonna say Tinder. Oh yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. Like, I can't like like the 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 real like the real thing would be to say, okay, if you get an erection, you can't fly for like six hours. Or like twelve hours or something, you know. See Alice. Oh, ooh, Kevin. Ooh, here's a good question, Kevin. Who do you, this is from Robert Fauché. Who do you think will have a better year, Corey White in Dallas or Michael Sam in the CFL? <laughs> Michael Sam. Yeah, I think so too. I think Michael Sam's going to tear shit up in the CFL. And, yeah. And like shame the NFL to give him another chance. Oh, no, I, I. You know what? I. I really can't see. I can't see anybody in the league giving him another chance. I really can't. Like th- there was so much, there was so much bullshit heaped on from the get-go about you know, oh, anonymous GMs talked to Peter King and they said, oh, distraction this and blah blah blah. That sa- you're right. He'll probably have to like sack a city in Canada to get another. Yeah, shot. I mean, yeah, you know, he would almost have to be named defensive player of the CFL. Oh wait, he was the defensive player of the SEC. He'll have to have two. He'll have to have like two 15 sack seasons in the CFL to get another chance. They'd have to win the fucking Grey Cup or whatever no, the hell. Not, it's, actually, it is the called the Grey Cup. Yeah, it is. All right. Um, uh, who? Let's see. Who's the next Dave? Who's the next Saints player to spend the last year of their career with another NFC South team? All right, Joe. Roman. Yeah, no, no, I hear you, Bobby Abair. Yeah. Roman, oh, um, hmm, let me think. I'm thinking about who some of the older guys are. Jari Evans. Jari Evans. I feel like they're gonna hold on to him for for good. Who the hell knows? It could be Drew Brees for all we know. Oh my god. Uh, let's see I think that's oh one last question Uh, I forgot who asked it I don't see it but I know it Kevin if you could undraft one Saints player in history who would it be Jonathan Sullivan actually no Ricky Williams yeah 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 I mean come on you get you get your entire draft back yeah the thing is though that like changes all of Saints history because if they don't right it might Ditka might have stayed on for another year, you know. I yeah, but they might have had out of all those six players they drafted, they might have had one or two good guys that they could have built a franchise around. Well, um, I think I think 
the, the, Kevin, your initial pick of Sullivan is right because man, they did they moved they did that trade with Sullivan. I mean, they just kept those two number ones that they couldn't have been any worse off. Yeah. Even if you even if you said you you get to keep the two number ones, you don't get to pick. You just reach your hand in a hat and pick out a name. They'd have been they couldn't have been any worse off than keeping Sullivan. Dave, who do you got? No, I you, I would say Ricky Williams. Yeah. Yeah. All right. No uh, brainer. Um, final <clears throat> final question. Uh, over under on Drew Brees 2015 passing yards 4,800. Kevin, over or under? Ooh, that's um, a good line. What, what did he have last year? He was like I think less than 100 away from 5,000. Hang on a second. He was that wait, okay. wait, wait, Hang on. I'm he was that high. I would I would take the under. Drew stats and given, uh, given how it, much it looks like they're uh, going to be running the ball more, more than ever, uh, I would take the under on that. Yes, but remember they ran the ball more uh, last year too. I mean, shit, didn't they run the ball a lot? Oh, no, I don't know. They have it's their second, the second best yards per carry they ever had last year, besides 2009. Ah. Uh... It's a great number though, forty eight hundred man. It's great. yeah, that's a, that's a good place to put it. Yeah, you know, uh, shit. Yeah, I guess I'll say under. I'll say under, but you know what? It's not like it's uh, yeah, you know. We always make the joke about always oh, in steep decline. <laughs> so, forty eight hundred, whatever. I'm gonna say under too. I think if you want it to be under, because the Saints, they don't run to get the lead; they run to close out games. So if he's at like 45, 4,600 and he's not hurt, I think that's a really good sign that the Saints are winning games late by running the ball. So uh, Andrew didn't join us tonight, uh, but that's okay. Uh, go to Canal Street Chronicles. Dave, do you have anything new and exciting coming along? Oh, uh, no. No, not at all. <laughs> Maybe when the media gets back uh, <coughs> is allowed at OTA. Today, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have some of that stuff. But Kevin, are you officially off of OK Cupid, or are you still? No, 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 no. I'm on. I'm on OK Cupid, uh, but not really checking it. Oh, I don't even know what that means. I've I've been married for so long. <laughs> I don't even know. It means I'm not. It means I'm not checking OK Cupid. Uh-huh. Like. I'm just so where are you meeting these chicks that you've been dating? Well, I mean, I've only been dating. He's like, got a stable of women is what he's saying. Yeah. Yeah. I have a harem. Uh, harem of women. I'm only like really dating one at the moment. But wait, are we going to are we talk? Are we going to talk about what you texted us this morning about at work or, or that's that's not podcast stuff? No, no, we can't. No. No, 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 that's not part, that's, we can't, we can't, yeah, we, we yeah. can't get, we can't go too uh, personal, uh, <laughs> yeah, because that, that, that could risk that, yeah, no, I will say, I will say for people as we wrap up this podcast, go to Canal Street Chronicles, uh, go to Saints Nation, uh, Kevin, he Hello? might, he might even have a power pole one of these days, you never know, so you want to go to Canal Street Chronicle every day and just hope that that nugget falls out of the sky, <laughs> Uh, Kevin dropped out, which is just about perfect. So for Dave, for Kevin, uh, (laughs) I'm Ralph. Uh, Until next week, uh, be well.